Amen. Amen. Nice. Hey, why don't you have a seat? Let's take some time and let's pray. I think a lot of us, we come to church and sometimes we might be weighted down. I've been having a lot of things going on in my life and it's just like, it's just fun just to relax and then remember our God and then remember how vast and great he is. So let's pray together. Lord, we come before you right now, a congregation of individuals in one body, making one. And God, we come here this morning and all of us with different reasons, burdens, joys, expectations, hopes, disappointments. And God, you know each of us intimately. You know who we are, what makes us tick, that thing that's weighting us down or that thing that has brought us here with expectation. And God, we can rest in you. No matter where we come from or how we approach you, God, we can say thank you. And so, God, we're going to look into your word, and we ask that you would do a mighty thing. Illuminate our minds. Let us understand. Because, God, we cannot understand this as it truly is meant to under, be understood unless your spirit is dwelling in us, unless your spirit reveals to us. And so we recognize that power right now. We recognize this living word. And God, as this word is designed, it is designed to point and give Christ the glory. It's all about him. And so we want to magnify Jesus. We want this word to magnify him. And we want to magnify him in our lives. And so, Lord, show us, speak to us, do a great and mighty work right now. We ask this in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. Good morning. You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about you all, and, and as I prepared this message, and, and there's some I know really well, or some I just know going there, there's somebody over there, and, and we, 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 you know, the wonderful thing is we are very important as individuals and corporately, each of us, and you can look around this church, and you can look across, and you go, I don't know that person, you might look across and go, boy, that person's pretty looks challenged or something like that, you know? And you just like look at them and go, I don't know about those people. But the wonderful thing is, you know, God has blessed us with so much, each of us, and we're very important to him. And I wanna talk today about that importance and I wanna encourage you on how much you are blessed. And you'll see the title today is The Blessing of Inheritance. Now, the thing about inheritance is it's something you receive. And you as a Jesus follower, you as somebody that accepted Christ, you have already received. And I think of, you know, getting an inheritance. It's a wonderful thing. An inheritance is something that is given to you that has been bestowed onto somebody. And that is a blessing that we can remind ourselves and we need to remind ourselves of what that is. And I think everybody, we want to, as you, if you're like me, you want to be worth something to somebody. Or you want to have value. We go through our lives and we're seeking a purpose, we're seeking value. And when God gave us an inheritance, right there, it shows value. But I think there's times in our lives when we just don't feel like we're worth much. You know, it might be when you're a young person, you're going, no one listens to me. And you want to go out and make your mark or you get your heart broken and you're just hurt and you just go, it's all, it's done. And you, you kind of go into a pity party. Or as you grow and, you, and you, you become a parent and your kids, they don't listen to you. And they make these mistakes and you're going, why didn't you listen to me? Come on, and you, you just feel like you have no value. 
Or you grow older and your body doesn't work as well as it used to. And you kind of go through some ailments. You just go, why? You know, do I show any value to anybody? And so often we can revert into ourselves and go into this pity party, right? I mean, we go into a pity party, you go, no, it doesn't matter. Life isn't worth it. It's kind of like, ah, I don't really care anymore. But I, I want to encourage you, as we look into God's word, your life is meaningful. It doesn't matter what stage or station of life you are in. You have an ultimate, an ultimate blessing of meaning to it. You see, the reason in your situation you're at now is God is making you something special. And so every facet of life feeds into that. Let me encourage you. We're, we looked at this verse a couple of weeks back, but in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, it reads this. It says this, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to his kind intention of his will. Now, what does it mean there? See, a believer, we talked about this in depth, the believer has been chosen since the beginning of time. And that means God has something special. He deems you as special. He was sitting there and, and contemplating everything, and he just knew that one day you're going to be who you are today. And he planned that out. And we can take hope in that, and we can take wonderful, you know, pride in that. See, it doesn't matter if you're not the sharpest tool in the shed like me, right? You got issues? Welcome, welcome to the club. You know, maybe you're not as pretty as some people in the earth deem what is pretty. Or maybe you have an ailment, maybe you have a disfigurement, maybe you have that one little thing on the back of your neck that you just hate. You're the only one that notices, but you always walk around like that. You know, whatever it is, that thing that you deem as a flaw, the wonderful God in heaven designed you just as he wanted you. See, we can read and be encouraged. I'm gonna go to Isaiah real quick. I love this verse. This is an encouragement to everyone about life. Look at this. In verse nine, it says, woe to the one who quarrels with his maker. An earthen vessel among the vessels of earth. Will the clay say to the maker, what are you doing or the thing you are making say he has no hands it says woe to him who says to a father what are you begetting or to a mother to what are you giving birth you see god holds each life perfect in his hands he deemed it so this is a great argument for abortion against it because you're going, why God? Why would you create that? Because he's got a plan. And the reality is for all of us, we can say going, you know what? I, I'm, not, I'm not perfect. Of course you are because why? The maker made you that way. The maker created you and you go, well, I don't really like what he's done. I think he kind of messed up a little bit. No. See, understand this, church. It says, you have been created precisely according to God's will and divine purpose. Precisely. And you, you gotta embrace that. You gotta embrace that who you are, this significance of who you are is perfect for him. And we're gonna get into that right now. In the first one I want you to grab hold of is something we've heard time and time again at church, but this is, I am Christ and he is mine. I am Christ and he is mine. 
And we can, we can grab hold of that. See, you're Jesus' big payout. You're Jesus' big payout. You're the, you're the wonderful thing that God has given to Jesus. So he went to, what, the cross out of obedience and love for the Father, but he knew what he was going to be getting. You. Now that's to deem you special. That should put you in a place of going, wow, I am pretty important. But also, we're going to talk about how Christ is yours. Look what it says here in Ephesians 1, verses 11 and 12. It says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who are the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. You see, he predestined us just as he wanted, just as he willed it, according to his will. Now, I love this verse because it's, uh, theologians actually love this verse because as we look at it, we look at the, the verb form and the first part, it's passive. And it says this, it says, in him we also have obtained. Now, you can look at that in two different ways because it says this, in, in him we were made or obtained. So in him we were made an inheritance or we have obtained an inheritance. See, the Christian has obtained, but then if you look at it, the other side is you were made an inheritance. You were made for Christ. And I want to look into that first one first how you were made as Christ's inheritance. You were deemed special as Christ's inheritance. And this is a fun one to grab hold of. Look what it says here, and I want you to grab hold of this too. And it says in John chapter 6, and in John chapter 6 in verse 37, it says this, that all that the, fa all that the Father gives me will come to me, and, and the one who comes to me, I will certainly not be cast out. So who? God gave you to Christ. And so Christ hangs on to that. Now look at verse 39. And it says, this is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but I raise up on the last day. So Jesus is saying, you, God has given you to him. And Jesus holds you on such an important place because the God in heaven, the Father, the Creator, He deemed you as valuable. And Jesus sees that value. He sees the wonder that you are. And the reason Christians don't walk the way we walk is we don't grasp how wonderful and valuable we are to the Almighty. I shared a, a couple years back this wonderful study in Ephesians 2.10, and it says this. It says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. See, that word workmanship. Now, we can look at that, and a lot of times we look at it kind of like a farmer would work, as somebody that would do something. But the word workmanship, if you get into the depths of it, it's poemia. Poemia is where we get our word poem from the Greek. And so, you know, we, we can say, okay, we are his poem. But it goes deeper than that. See, poemia is actually an art form. 
And so you could place anything in there. You could say, you know, an architectural piece, because we know that there are different forms of art. A poem is an art form. Sing or a song is an art form. A painting is an art form. A drawing, a sculpture is an art form. But the reality is, is we are works of art. That's what it's saying. It says we are his work of art. But I'm thinking about my God. My God in heaven, on how vast he is, on how wonderful he is, and the things that he creates, he is somebody that doesn't make error. So that means you're a masterpiece. See, that's the wonder of who you are in God. You are his work of art, his masterpiece. Now that should make you pause and go, yay, check this out. You think I'm ugly? Uh-uh-uh. I'm a masterpiece. See, this is what we need to understand. This is what we have to grab hold of. See, you are God's work of art. He made you that way. That, that thing you are going through is, is for you so that you could be a perfect end product as well. See, that's why we have all these stages of life. We start off as babies. And then we go and we grow old. And why? Because each aspect of life is important for us because the end result is not only you are his masterpiece now, he's created you to be his masterpiece in the future. And so you are going through that ailment now, that pain, that disfigurement, that problem. Why? He's shaping you. He's shaping you as Christ's inheritance, as Christ's gift to you. I mean, let's remind ourselves how great we are, okay? This is really good. Sounds really arrogant to say it like that, but think about it. I mean, Psalm 19, verse one. It says, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. All right, so when you go outside and you look up at the stars, you go, wow, God made that. And you look at the flowers, God made those things. That's beautiful. But you are made in the image of God. What does that say? You know, the, bask the basket spans is declaring the work of his hands. You're part of that. You're declaring his majesty. He is your gift or he he has given you to christ as a piece of inheritance but not only that you are in christ see church understand christ knows your value even if you don't realize it that's why he went all the way to the cross for you he saw who you were and the and the potential and he saw in eternity he knows your value now let's take it to the other side of things is now we have to understand that, you know, we are Christ's inheritance, but he is our inheritance as well. It goes both ways. And we can go to 2 Peter, and it, or excuse me, 1 Peter in chapter 1, verse 3, it says this. Blessed be the God, our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So there's the gospel. How are we born again? Through Jesus from above. Remember we talked about that anothen, born again, born from above. It's about what God does. And then we see in verse four, to obtain an inheritance. See the whole purpose 
see, is not only to get saved, but is to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You see, we have obtained it. When we put our our faith in Jesus, we obtained it, we got it, and now it's reserved even more so in heaven. You see, we've already received. That's the wonderful thing about inheritance. We already have it. We possess it. It's been bestowed on us. So it is ours. It is ours to grab hold of. Look look with me if you would too. We can go all the way over here to, I'm going to jump now to uh, Romans. Let's go to Romans. 8, verse 17, it says this. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Indeed, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So what did Christ do? Well, his suffering, I'll tell you, part of his suffering was living with us. Think of that. But his suffering was, he, took, he came on and took the human form, became fully man and fully divine, and he still went to the cross and gave himself freely. Now, what do we do? We're fellow heirs in that. So what do we do? We, we go through this life, and we suffer. We may not be crucified, but what we do is we carry our cross. It's difficult sometimes being a Christian. It's difficult sometimes in our, in our latter years and our younger years to stand up for truth, to hold to what the word of God says and not compromise it. That's suffering. It's suffering when you don't like a part about you that's weak and you think is ugly. But we endure, and so we identify with him. See, we, we gotta embrace that idea that we're here because God deemed us this way. And we can walk in that freely and joyfully. I, I love 1 John 2, 6. It says, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. How did Christ walk? A holy life. He didn't, he didn't placate to the culture. He stood above the culture. He didn't, you know, just give up. He didn't get mad at the Father, go, why did you send me here? This is stupid. He said, to your glory, God, I'm gonna live out my days. See, that's the way we are to live, to God's glory, no matter what station of life we find. Because why? God has ordained it for us. God has placed us there, and we can have faith in him that he will use it to his wonderful blessing. And that's why I love this next point, is my position is a validated fact. My position with God is a validated fact. My position as somebody that is saved is a validated fact fact and he gave that i think we all he gave it to us i think we all like validation you know we like when somebody validates us going hey you know you you did really good today you feel validated you feel good about it you know you say hey you you did great the meal you made for us was wonderful you feel validation you know that thing you did at work you feel validation whatever it is makes us feel good it gives us assurance that you're not an idiot right i mean that's just how it is I mean, for me, it's like, I want to hear some validation so I don't feel like a a loser. And the thing is, is we want that. And Christ understood our human nature, that we need the validation. And so in that validation, he gave us something wonderful, and it's, it's his spirit. He gave it to us so we could enjoy 
our lives that we have. Now, before I get into the word here, understand this. Now, a lot of people that we know kind of let us down, don't they? Because we look for that validation. It might be in a marriage, and you got married, and the validation was, I love you, and I'll say my vows, and I'm going to love you till death do us part. And what did they do? They lied. They broke that vow. And you're just like, man, I don't feel validated by that person. They broke the promise. The other promise might be breaking is the, uh, a politician maybe, huh? They like to break promises all the time. They'll tell you one thing, but they'll actually just go do another. You know, we, we see that with friends. We see that in church. But God doesn't break his promise. He can't. Because that would make him imperfect. And that would then cause him not to be God. It's not in his nature. And so we can rest in the validation of what he's done and who he's done and, uh, and how he's done for uh, what he's done for us. And we see this in verse 13. It says, in him we also, you also, after listening to the message of hope or, or message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. See, that's a promise he made. He validates it. It's truth. It's a promise. But I love this verse because if we can break this verse down, let's just do it real quick here because this verse is so special because the first part we see the gospel. We see it like this. It says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Now, what is the gospel of our salvation? We just sang it. Jesus came, lived among us as a perfect man, and did not sin and then willingly died on the cross his blood poured out over your sin for all eternity and then he was buried and three days later he rose again walks amongst us now went to heaven and sits in glory now, if we believe that, if we know that, if Jesus, if that's what he did, that is the gospel message. Jesus came to earth for us. And the thing is, is a somebody, what do we need to do? There's a, there's a message there. We heard it. We listened we listen to it. But the next part is key, is this part. It says, having also believed. See, it's one thing to hear it, and I think the world hears it all the time. Jesus, 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 right? But do you believe it? See, what does it mean to believe something? It's like, oh yeah, I believe it. No, 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 no. If you believe who Jesus is, then you're going to follow Jesus. See, that's the thing about belief. See, Satan believes who Jesus is. It doesn't save him. A lot of people believe who Jesus is, but they'll, churn, churn, and they'll, they'll, they'll chase after Wicca or witchcraft or, or Islam. And they, and they believe, oh yeah, I know Jesus, that's nice, but that's not who I'm following. See, belief is actually doing and following. And that is what we are to do. We believe in it. We say, okay, I agree with you, and I'm gonna take it to the bank that you're God, you're my Lord. And what does it mean to have someone as your Lord? The Lord is the one who calls the shots. And so you follow. That's what you do. And then it keeps going. And it says this. God 
then we have to understand about salvation that God gets all the credit, but we must respond in faith. See, you don't save yourself. You are the one who believe that Jesus saves you. And then what do you do? You respond. So he gets the credit, you just go follow. That is the reality. He's the one that does the saving. Just as we talked about in your, your, your life of get, being born, your mom did all the work. You know, she gave birth to you. You had nothing to do with it. So it's all on her. She did the work. God does all the work. And we just follow in faith. And then the last part of this, when we do that, when we hear it, we believe it, and we respond in faith, we see this right here. It says this, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, back in the day, the seal was meant something a lot different. We might do it with a handshake or something like that. But a seal, you know, they would take their ring, their signet ring, and they would what? They would press into a, what uh, might be clay, or it could be wax, to give something validity to say this is real. But the seal really had four meanings. The first meaning a seal made is basically a seal marks a finished transaction. <coughs> a finished transaction. It's like, hey, we're done. <coughs> you know, right, right there. And seal that, right? But a finished transaction going, hey, this is done. And so when you received his seal, the Holy Spirit of promise, you, the transaction's finished. There ain't no more to do. There isn't any more to wait on. You got it. See, your inheritance has begun. Then we see this again. We see number two. A seal implies ownership. See, you, you own the inheritance, but also it's the one who purchased that owns. See, you have to understand who you are in Christ, as it says here in 1 Corinthians it says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have, where? From God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. So right there we see the validity of the first one, right? Is well, the finished transaction. Hey, because why? You were bought by God. And so there we have something. We go, okay, I'm his. Okay, this implies ownership. This implies a finished transaction. All good. So what's our task to be? It's to follow him. Because when we do, understand this too, a seal shows security. See, didn't you ever, you know when you sin and you sin and you blow it, you're always kind of like, oh, my standing with God is terrible. You should feel that way. You just go, oh man, I wish I hadn't done that, you know, and I feel guilty. You know, is God gonna love me again? You, you, and you know he will, but you know it's like you're, you're iffy about it. You're, 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 you're sinning and you realize, when you realize you're sinning and you're just doing it and you're like, oh, you know, and, and you kind of want to crawl into a hole. See, when we don't, that we feel that security and when we, when we, when we do sin, we feel you know, insecure. See, the seal that God gives us is for our security to show us that, hey, we're real. We're real. We're in him. And we, we forget this. See, I want to share with you, I'm going to go to John 14. 
And in John, John 14, I'm going to find John 14 here. In John 14, in verse 16, it says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but because it does not ha see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So Jesus right there is talking to the disciples. And he's saying, you know what? I'm, when I leave, I'm going to ask the Father to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And the world doesn't know him. Why? Because you know what? It doesn't know me. But I'm here with you now. And then when I leave, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. My spirit is going to dwell with you. And he's going to help you in your life so you will see, you will see your standing as, as truth. And you will be secure in that. And we as Christians, what happened is now when we receive Jesus, we get the Holy Spirit, the helper with us now. And he holds us tight. And we can be secure in him. And understand, okay, my God is with me. And that's a, that's a big perk. I mean, let's look at Ephesians. Look at, look at verse 30 of chapter 4. It says this, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You see, that word redemption means to be called out. And so you were sealed in him. You were called out in him, meaning you're there all the way to the end. You've been called out by God. You've been set aside. And so we have this security going, okay, even when I blow it and you sin and you feel insecure, that's okay, that's good because that makes you want to come back because you know who you are. See, that's the wonder of it. And the seal finally, a seal authenticates. I love the word bona fide. We don't use that enough in our culture. I'm bona fide. You know, I'm the man, you know, and I'm a bona fide work of art. See, you're real, you're authentic, you're, you're, you're legitimate. See, that's what a seal says, that this is real. This isn't fake. And we are authentic. Look what it says in Romans 8 and 9. It says, however, do, or excuse me, I'm having issues today. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So we see there, if you have the Holy Spirit, you are a validated fact. You are truth. And that's what God bestows on you when you come and you decide to make him your Lord and Savior and you follow him. You are validated there. Now, I just want to talk a little briefly here. I'm going to go a little longer, but understand this. If you are having uh, issues. I think, I think a lot of us, we sin. And I think a lot of people I know keep sinning. And we know what the Bible says, you know, we know 1 John, and it says if we confess with our mouth, Jesus, or excuse, you know, let's just read 1 John. I'll go to 1 John. Let's find 1 John here. 1 John, it says 1-9, it says if we confess with our sins, he is faithful and, and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, we read that, and we know that, but, you know, the reality is, is you know, we, we still live in sin. We still actively like our sin. 
I think there's some people here, you might get on the internet and you're just, you're just playing with pornography, you know? Or maybe you're somebody that is prideful and you're just going, you know what, I like my pride. I am better than these people, you know? Or maybe you have somebody and you just won't forgive and you don't want to forgive. And so you're living in this sin. And how do you get beyond that sin to not want it? This is it. I'm not going to have it on the screen, but you can write this down. I want to challenge you. Ask God to make you hate your sin. See, if you know you're living in sin and you don't care, you know, you're an alcoholic, ask God to hate your sin. You have somebody you love in their depths of sin. I tell you this, this is the greatest thing. Ask God to make them miserable. It's true. God loves that prayer. Because Why? Because we want to take our focus off our sin and we want to put it on God. So if you are a, a person that's living in sin, abiding in sin, you've got to ask God, hey, I don't want it. Make me hate it. See, that's what we did when we accepted Christ. We realized we hated our sin because you can't come to God and take your sin with you going, hey, I'm going to live a lifestyle of sin against God's word and I'll get saved too. It doesn't work that way. See, God wants us to hate our sins. So what do we do? There's three words. Confession, repentance, replacement. Very easy words. We confess our sin. What is confession? Is you're admitting your sin. You admit your sin before God. Repentance is then changing direction. You're leaving it and you're going the other way. See, that's what we did when we accepted Jesus. We turned from our sin and turned to Jesus. We didn't, we didn't say, I, I confess you as Lord, and then you just go back to your sin. No, you are turning to Jesus. But the other thing is replacement. And I don't think we do this good. You see, if you're a person that has a sinful attitude towards people, and you're belittling somebody, maybe you need to replace it with some scripture verses and an attitude of encouragement. Going to a person and saying, hey, I really like what you have, what you're wearing today, and actually mean it, you know? Or, hey, you know what, I, I want to I be somebody, uh, instead of looking at something on the internet, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read a book. Maybe I am going to sign off from my social media for a time and not get jealous. And I'm going to replace it with something positive. See, we need to replace our sin. Because I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit does not want to live in a temple that's full of filth. See, you're too valuable to waste your time. God has made you his masterpiece and you should grab hold of that because church, I have God's guarantee. You have God's guarantee. I have God's guarantee that I am a masterpiece and he, we call it a pledge and in Ephesians, we see this pledge in verse 19 or 14. It says this, who has given us a pledge of our inheritance. When you buy a house, you put money down, earnest money. I'm going to put this amount of money down saying I'm legitimate. I'm going to buy that place. And God, he says, you're legitimate. You're authentic. I'm going to validate you. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And know what? You get that inheritance now. And that Holy Spirit, he comes into you. And what does he do? He, he enables you to what? Live like Christ did. And we can. See, God expects you to because he gave you his spirit so you can. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're, we're reminded of this wonderful truth. It says very plainly, or excuse me, chapter 1, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and discipline. See, a lot of us, we say, I can't live like that. I can't walk away from my sin. Why? Because you're fearful. That's what it is. You're timid. You go, no, I can't. If you have God in you, yes, you can. He'll give you avenues where you can say no to it and you can replace it with something else. See that word power? We get it from our word dynamite. You know, we use that word dynamite right there. But really, dudamas means what? Ability to do. So God has given you the ability to what? To love and have discipline. So you can show the world this is legitimate. I am bona fide. I am somebody because why? My inheritance is Christ. And you know what? For what Christ did for me, I don't want to give him back his inheritance as filthy rags. I want to give it to him as something that is truthful and righteous. Church, you can. And Christian, we need to be doing that. We need to be living as God has deemed us to live. Because that's real living. That's what it's about. Understand this. God has deemed you so valuable that he gave you himself so that you can live a righteous and holy life. That's it. You can. And we're even going to dive into that more next week of what that can look like on how you can grab hold of your inheritance now. But it is yours. The problem is we're not tapping into that. I'm going to have the worship team come up, and I want to challenge you. Hey, why aren't you tapping into it? Are you liking your sin? Are you liking your life? Or do you want to? I think we all want to. I think the question is, are we willing? And so I want to pray for you, and if you just bow your head, let's just ask God to make us willing because he's given us his spirit that says we can't. Lord God, Lord, thank you so much for creating us, for choosing us from the dawn of time, for this moment in history to live and impact a culture, to look the way we look, to act the way we act, to, to exalt you, God. We, we have this opportunity, God, to show this world your masterpiece. And God, you have deemed us that, and that means we are. So help us to live as the masterpiece you've created. God, I pray that you would give us the will. I pray that you would put on our hearts the desire. And then, Lord, that we would take the step of faith to do. God, I pray that for this church. I thank you for them. I thank you for the beautiful people the people that you have made in your image, perfect in Jesus. So God, help us all to do what you would have us do, to live righteously and holy before you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.